the, the NFL stands for not for long. Second down and goal from just inside the two. Backs offset. Sharga and Armstead. Rollout. Walker. Still running out. Looks to the left. Wide open. Thompson touchdown. Colin Thompson with the touchdown. There was nobody within 20 yards. What of a catch off the bobble. Colin Thompson scoops it up. Lofting quarter. The end zone. It is caught for the touchdown. The first NFL touch for Colin Thompson is a score. What is going on, everybody? This is your host of Not For Long Media, Colin Thompson. Justin Ayers is joining me for a little tompy time in this Justin tonight. There's a lot going on in the sports world, a lot going on in the world in general. We hope everyone had a wonderful holiday, Christmas, whatever you celebrate, a happy 2022. Lots to look forward here for Not For Long Media, as always, uh, this coming new year. First, guys, check out our website. Our team does a wonderful job with that. You can check out all the links to go to YouTube, listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can buy something for your loved ones throughout the holidays for what's coming in the, in the new year. Buy some hats, buy some swag, some stickers, some long sleeve shirts, some nice Columbia jackets. Stay warm through the holiday season. We got snow in the Northeast, lots of snow. Um, but again, before we get into all that, what Justin's up to, we, we appreciate your support now for Long Media, and we look forward to taking this ride with you all in 2020. 22. Justin Ayers, we got a little snow in Annapolis, Maryland, don't we? Yeah, I, I think it's roughly like half a foot. Uh, it, it's came down pretty hard throughout the entire day. So yeah, I definitely, uh, I haven't been outside to get the Jim Cantori situation from the ground there yet, but uh, there's a lot of snow. Back to you, Colin. Oh, thank you. So funny Jim Cantori stories is in a very short version is we have friends at QS, as you know, our friends over at Shots and Giggles, and they're always telling stories about the hurricanes and all the things that happen that come through town and not they would never evacuate right like the locals like you don't really evacuate right you just stick it out because you're a local right but every once in a while when Jim Cantori would show up they would be like we have to evacuate it's going <laughs> to get real because he would always be in the worst situation so if Jim Cantori's in your town you got to get out have you ever seen the video of like, he was on like a, it was like South Carolina. He's doing his, his typical hurricane coverage. And like somebody came up and tried to run in his live shot and he need him right in the groin. It's an hey, all time Cantori. Listen, if someone got in our live shot when we were doing Panthers camp, I mean, what, 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 what have you would have done? I mean, John, Justin Ayers, you would have been pissed. On site. Yeah. <laughs> that was fun, yeah. man. If anybody ever checked that out, hasn't checked that out yet, that's a listener of our podcast. Not any of the haters out there that Justin and I were talking about before the show. The people that have listened to our pod and we appreciate your support again, the amount of texts and tweets and Instagram that follows and the merch, sending merch out over the holidays, we appreciate it all. Go back and check out the training camp uh, interviews. I don't know how many you know, people could say I'm very blessed to be able to play football and and make that my number one thing. But then, you know, on the side, be able to do this and have fun. And Justin flew down, rented the car, big J journalist from Charlotte airport and drove, you know, the hour and a half to Wofford or whatever it was, and got him up in the hotel. And then he came out to practice two straight days and had interactions with coach Harbaugh. And we interviewed about six different players. Um, some with the team, some are not with the team anymore. And it was fun. I mean, I did interviews post-practice. How many players do an interview post-practice, but they're actually doing the interviewing? So that was a really unique experience. So if you haven't checked that out, go back to the, uh, you know, through the podcast archives, because we kind of have a best of uh, where we took, you know, a little bit, if not all of the snippets of the interviews that Justin and I did. 
Uh, and we made a podcast out of it. And then we did a bunch of YouTube stuff with it too, a bunch of vlogs with that. So Justin just absolutely killed it that week. And then we had, that was the, that was our first in-person interview with this version of not for long media. We had Dan Arnold, uh, in the house there, been back in Charlotte. So, uh, yeah, that's a good one to check out. I, I digress. A uh, little Tompy time today, little this, Justin. What do you got for us, Justin? So, yeah, there's so much college football going on right now that I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about. Uh, there's two big things we wanted to talk about. First of all, uh, the guys over at ESPN College Game Day, Herb Street, uh, Desmond Howard. So as, as bowl season kind of wound down, we're getting to the point now, there's, there's so many bowl games. There's dozens of bowl games. A lot of sponsors I didn't know even existed have bowl games. Um, but Herb, Kirk Herbstreet found himself in a little hot water online over the weekend uh, for his quote. And I have it pulled up here. Herbstreet said, quote, I just don't understand if you don't make it to the playoff, how is it meaningless to play football and compete? Isn't that what we do as football players? We compete. I don't know if changing it, expanding it is going to change anything. I really don't. I, I think this era of player just doesn't love football. And then Desmond Howard kind of chimed in right after and, and kind of echoed those sentiments. And he said, you know, when we were com coming up, um, you know, a bowl game was a huge reward for a fantastic season. That's what it meant. Uh, you know, the players nowadays just don't really value bowl games. Um, Herb Street later clarified his comment. He said, you know, I didn't mean to say every college football player doesn't love the game. Um, but it, it generated a lot of like buzz and interaction online. And Colin, you, you actually sent it to me first. So what were your reactions when you heard Herb Herb Street's, you know, guys don't love football comment? Well, the pro another problem <laughs> is that he's got to clarify it. We understand what he's saying too, but that's the way of the world now. You have to clarify things. You really got to watch what you say. You get things get quoted. They get clipped, just like we're doing on here, right? And saying, hey, this is what you said. So there's a lot of takes from this. Separate the college football playoffs from this. I think they're two separate things. Obviously, players aren't sitting out of the college football playoffs. So they do coexist together, the argument of, hey, I'm going to sit out of a game that's not a BCS bowl game or a college football playoff game. I saw a tweet. And I'm going to pull it up, but before I pull it up, because it's bothering me now, I, I was looking for the tweet before and I couldn't follow it, but now I know who I sent it to. But essentially my thoughts on all this are this, you have to respect the players that sit out. The game is more of a business now than it's ever been. The whole get off my lawn crowd. I get it. We miss old school college football. I miss it too, but this is a new version. There's more business being done in football now than ever. There's more life-changing finances being done now than ever. Every player situation is completely different. A lot of players I know, they have no money. Their fam families have no money. They decide to play a bowl game and get hurt. That money's gone. Those, those times are done for example jalen smith probably the best linebacker i've ever played against in person i think so i played against jalen in college an absolute stud he runs fast he's tough he's physical he's got all of the attributes it takes in my opinion to be a successful linebacker he plays in i think the fiesta bowl against ohio state I remember the clip and it was a, the, the, the lineman was blocking through the whistle. He planted something happened. Boom. He got drop foot. Jamal Smith, he got a second contract, which is unbelievable and shows his testament, his work ethic, his ability to just 
ride through it and be tough. And shout out to the Dallas Cowboys for believing them and drafting them, I think, in the second round and giving them a year off and all that stuff. But that cost him so much money. He had to take it. He took an insurance policy out of himself. He would have been a top 10 pick. A lot like a Micah Parsons situation here. Micah Parsons didn't even play last year, folks. Let's remember that, too. He sat out the entire year. Great for his body. Great for his mindset. Um, so it cost Jalen, I don't know, $50 million maybe. That's what he would have made. First round pick plus endorsements plus, you know, the ceiling of being a Dallas Cowboy and a middle linebacker and what his second contract could have been. He still got to a second contract and he played with drop foot and he played with all these things. And now I don't know if his career's over or not, but he obviously got cut by Dallas. I believe he got cut by Green Bay when they re-signed him. And I think Jalen could be a free agent. I don't know. Don't quote me on that. But he's a great player, was and is a great player, but is a shell of himself because of that injury he got in that bowl game. Now, we can get injured any time. I get that. It's football. It's 100% injury rate. What I'm saying is this. You have to respect players for what they decide. They are human beings. We are not robots. They are human beings. They are making decisions for their family, for themselves. They have a scholarship. They lived out all the expectancy of that scholarship and they decide to move on. Fine. You want to find a way to make it? And I can't find the tweet. I apologize to everyone. But the tweet is saying that, hey, you want the best players to play in the bowl games? Start cutting them in on the NIL deal with it. So you want a quarterback that's going to be a first round pick? Is the Pittsburgh quarterback playing Pickett? No, he didn't. He, he sat out of uh, his bowl game. Yeah, so he sat out of the bowl game, and that's where the tweet came from. And, I, I'm, and I'm, I'll give the, the gentleman credit later. I forget where it was, and that's on me. I apologize, but we'll tweet it out. Uh, but essentially, he said, well, you want to find a way to make them play, cut them in on the, you know, the deal. If it's the Goodyear Bowl, cut them in. Give them, you know, 10 grand, 15 grand, 20 grand. Find a way to, you know, have them do appearance situations have them to be paid for all that stuff built that build that into the nil why not the players can make it now now it's a new way nil we think has evolved a ton and is way more than we thought but add the bowl games in now it's a way different deal they're just scratching the surface so it's not good enough anymore just for the you know shout out to best buy 150 best guy gift card and and a bowl suite which you get a recliner and a guitar you know, which are all awesome stuff for a college kid you're really excited about. But times have changed, whether they're good, bad, or indifferent for the fans. The viewership's awesome. The support is awesome, COVID or not. Uh, you know, so, again, I digress. I went all over the place in the bowl game situation. But essentially, my thoughts on the bowl games are this. Everyone's individual. They can make their own decision. You are a business entity now. You are not just – pull the ticket, college football player, wait your three years, play two years, try to go to the NFL, start your job. It is way different now. You can, you're a business entity more now than ever. That was not the case before. So I'm supportive of guys that sit out. I'm supportive of guys that played. I played in my bowl game. I was an undrafted free agent. I was not a first round pick. But if you're going to be a first round pick and you're going to play in your bowl game, I'm talking about me personally, me personally, if I'm going to be a top 10 pick, I don't know if I'm playing in that bowl game. I don't know if I'm playing in that bowl game. If I'm a guaranteed 
first round pick. I don't know if I'm playing in the bowl game. So I don't, I'm not going to, I'll make it clear. So that's my take, Justin. I was all over the place with it, but, but I'm for it. I think the injuries could be absolutely detrimental. Uh, you got to make your money while you can. Football is a short-lived game, uh, especially with the hundred percent injury. What do you got, Justin? No, I mean, I can see both sides of this issue of this issue because, you know, will it rub some people the wrong way if the star player like Kenneth Walker from Michigan State or Kenny Pickett from Pitt, will it rub some people the wrong way? Will they, will they people call those guys selfish because uh, they're not going to be playing with their team in the bowl game where 99% of the guys on that roster probably won't play football at the next level uh, and they're passing up an opportunity to ride it out one last time with their guys? Like, yeah, I can see how that would be considered selfish or people would look down upon that. But you're right, it, it is a business decision. Um, yeah, I mean, why would you want to risk, you know, having an injury and, and missing out on the NFL? Um, but going back to Herb Street's comments real quick, he said that he was comparing the eras where him and Desmond Howard came up and, and versus today, where he said that there's so many more distractions and it's just way different and that the love and the passion for the game might not necessarily be there across the board. Uh, do you do you subscribe to that? Because I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, some guys are are obviously, you know, they're the passion might not be strictly football they might be have other outside business ventures but like when you hear that like what do you say yeah so that was the other part of the argument and i was looking up that tweak is driving me crazy um so i don't i don't subscribe to it i don't subscribe to it the way they loved football the way they thought they loved football back in the day the old school way is the right way and all that get off my lawn crowd that is different just like it was different for their parents that played football or played athletics or for whatever it was, right? Every group looks down on the group behind them and says, well, it was better when we played, but you know what? The game's still around. It's still a great game. It still has awesome fundamentals about teamwork and individual success and team success. And now it's got business aspects to it and you're learning a ton. What are we all trying to do here, folks? Move forward, start life better than, you know, the generation before had it, right? That's your goal your parents had for you as a, as a person. I'm sure I'm very lucky my parents had that for me. And I would be the person or the, or the, or the you know, as knowledgeable as I think I am today. Now I'm nowhere near where I, I, I need to be if I didn't play college sports. And again, I'm all over the place, but my point is, there's still love and there's still tons of passion for the game of football. You don't play college football if there's not love and passion. Just because people post a picture, just because people take a video, just because people go about it a little bit differently and you're more visible now than ever does not mean, does not mean that you don't love the game of football. It has absolutely nothing to do with it. Because at the end of the day, you've got to put your face on someone else who's running right at you to do the same thing you're trying to do to them. And if you're going to spring ball, like all of us did in college football, we all know how tough that is. It's 15 practices, three-hour time limit or whatever it was, and you beat the heck out of each other because the season's six months away. Before that, you had the hardest thing of your life, the offseason in January and February. It's literally the toughest thing I've ever done. And you get the crap beat out of you. You build the team, you build toughness, you build character, you build all the things you need to do to be successful. So you don't just do all that stuff for fun. You're not just running, jogging, and, you know, maybe get a couple curls in and you're out. No, you got to go to school. If you play football, you have tutors. You have all these different things. You got to be at breakfast check at 6 a.m. You got to be lift and done by 7. 
you have to finish your lift and then be class by 10. And then when your classes are over at five, you got to be mandatory dining hall. You got to weigh in. You got to make sure your weight's great. You got to make sure you drank enough water that day to make your weight. You got to make sure that you ate enough at training tables. So your weight's high enough. And then guess what happens after you're done uh, in the training table, eating dinner, you're either with a tutor or you're in the facility watching film. Right. I mean, that's the life of a student athlete. That's the extreme version of the schedule, but that's the schedule half the year. So, yeah, I don't believe it. I don't subscribe to it one bit. Sure, they're a little more public now than ever, the athlete. But to say these people don't care or don't love the game as much as they did. You can argue the game's harder now than it's ever been. You're more public now than you ever been. You're more visible now than you ever been. The things they got away with back in the day, you can't even get near now. So there's much more pressure. There's much more, there's tons more eyes. Um, so I'm rambling on today, Justin, per usual. What are your thoughts on the love of the game from your perspective, from a fan's perspective, from a media member's perspective? I think you're right. I think you can still love the game, but also have things going on outside of the game, like NIL stuff. And uh, Kirk, when he was doing his argument, yeah, exactly. Like he's like, all oh, these kids have their cell phones. And I love Kirk Herbstreit. I, I, and the, the other thing that came, he's, he's the best, but I, the other thing that came up online with him was people were saying, Oh, Kirk is, is works for ESPN. And the only reason he's, he's angry about these guys opting out of bowl games, largely televised on ESPN is that he's upset because like, you know, viewership will be down in the, what was it? The peach bowl where, where Kenny Pickett didn't play. Like, yeah, people are saying, Oh gosh, like, these guys are just mad that they're going to lose out on ad revenue because people aren't going to tune in. Like, I don't think that was the like how their take came about. No. I legitimately think that they, in their mind, like, and Kirk and Desmond's mind, like, they, you know, they, they see the discrepancies between the two generations of college football, and they're probably not the most happy about it. But I think it has nothing to do with the whole, they're like ESPN corporate shills that only care about working for the network and viewership. Well said. I, I, I don't tie those two together either. I think people spend too much time thinking about that. I think there's some fun. It's a fun conversation. Like, oh, they're just worried about the ratings, right? The ratings are getting crushed. Listen, Kirk Herbstreit and those guys are getting paid and they work their asses off. All of them work extremely hard, right? They, they, they wear 10 different hats and they do a bunch of different things and they're extremely successful and they're really good at their job. I'm not coming at them. I'm coming at their, their words. I'm coming at their, their, their belief in the sense that there's not as passion. There's not as much love for the game. Uh, I could argue now there's more love for the game than ever. Yeah, you get your body taken care of a little bit better than they did back in the day for sure. They had two-a-days and three-a-days. You really had to love the game. I get it. But now everything you do, the eyes are on you as an athlete. It's much different than it was back then. So uh, I hate to compare decades. I hate to compare, you know, all these different time periods because it's a different game every time. Every five or so years, it's a whole new game. The scheme's changed. It's still the same scheme, but there's the RPO, run-pass option now. That's big, right? The quarterback runs are big. The evolution of the person has changed tremendously. The size of people, the speed. You see it on display in college football every weekend, which we'll get into in a little bit here. I think we're going to segue over to the Final Four. Yeah, so uh, actually, did you want to talk about Matt Corral real quick? I mean, that was, that was the other big story from the weekend, Ole Miss quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, he got, he got dinged up in the game. And we were in New Orleans while the game was going on. We came in, we flew in, we're taking the buses right through, all the old Miss people. 
uh, all the Baylor people, the fans are pouring into the stadium. And that was really cool. I tuned in after he got hurt. And I don't watch a ton of college football anymore, sadly, because usually we're traveling on Saturdays or I'm grabbing a quick nap at a home game before we go to the team hotel. So I'm not able to watch enough. But that backup was pretty good. I, again, I don't watch enough. People are probably like, yeah, no crap, that's so-and-so. But I, I I was impressed by him. He was scrambling. He was tough. They were, they, they were playing tough. Baylor's a good team. Obviously, Coach Rule was there. He recruited a lot of those players, 90% of them probably, 80% of them. Um, so I'm a Baylor fan at heart. Uh, my wife graduated from there with her master's degree. So sick and bears, but yeah, I mean, there's an example of someone got that, that got hurt and, and, and I'll, I'll make it clear. You're going to get hurt in football games. It's the risk that we all take, know, and love. So that's another reason say the love of the game's out there. You know, you're going to get hurt in this game, hundred percent injury rate. You are going to break a bone, tear something. It's going to happen. Uh, so you can't say the love's not there if you're willing to do that. Um, so no, I think, it's it's thanks for bringing that up justin i think you're going to get hurt in any game and obviously it's tough to see him go down like that in that fashion in a big big bowl game like that old miss baylor two programs that have turned around drastically and um coaches that have done a great job doing so so what are your thoughts on it i mean people were freaking out because obviously the, the guy got carted off uh matt corrales first of all he said he wanted to play in that game just one last ride with the fellas he said he he wouldn't be at the place he is today if he wasn't for the guys on like his on his teammate his team and his teammates so i thought that was a really cool thing and you're right it goes back to what you said earlier it's a hundred percent some person's individual choice like he could have sat out he's probably gonna be like the top two quarterback taken in the board uh in this draft coming this year but he, you know, he loved the team so much he wanted to come back. But yeah, when, when people saw him get carted off, Twitter was, it was red hot with the, the hot takes were flying. Luckily, the guy only had an ankle sprain and he's going to be completely fine. Like that's not going to okay. impact his draft. So that was one thing people were concerned about. But yeah, I, I think it just comes down to individual choice. Like, you know, he didn't have to play, but he did. And thank God he didn't get hurt. He played all of his right so here's another thing for the guys that sit out right like here's the schedule that comes out before the season it doesn't say bowl game it says conference whatever it says you're out of conference play your conference play conference championship that's always on there whether you're predicted to finish last or first the conference championship is always on your schedule right the first week in december or whatever it is i i just have no issue with guys sitting out none none because there's an example say he breaks his ankle or say he gets a high ankle sprain, which people say is worse than an ankle break, right? We saw it this year with, with C-Mac, Christian McCaffrey with the ankle injury. You know, um, it's very tough on them. They're brutal. Ankle injuries are really tough. So ankle sprains could be worse than a break. So, you know, I, I, I don't – yeah, I go back to it. I have no problem. I mean, think about where his draft stock was, where it could be, and is it going to stay the same? But that's one more red flag he's got to deal with. So you finished your time as a player. Now I'm ready to be a professional. Now I'm ready to be a professional. I'm healthy. I don't need any more ailments. I already have enough. Because when you go into these draft preps, when, you at the, when he's at the combine, they're x-raying that foot. He's getting that ankle MRI'd by a ton of people. And every team doctor, all 32 of them, are looking at that MRI and saying, here are our thoughts. He's cleared medically. He's not cleared medically. He's dinged here. He's dinged there. Obviously, the more teams are interested in you, the higher you go drafted. So there's a lot behind it. It's not all about, uh, you know, 
It's about the player. It's about them. They're human beings. We are human beings, not robots. So. Love that. I thought that was perfectly said. Yeah, I mean, we could transition to the, the two college football playoff bowl games, the ones that the players don't opt out of, uh, the, ones that the, the ones that actually matter. First, the Cotton Bowl Classic. Alabama beat Cincinnati 27 to six. I I think everybody kind of like saw ahead of time where this game was eventually going to go. Alabama had this one figured out. They said Cincinnati is the second ranked pass defense in the country. Uh, We're going to go old school. We're going to ground and pound. And that's what they did. 47 times they rushed it for 300 yards. uh, And their running back, Brian Robinson, set an Alabama bowl game record for 204 yards by himself. Uh, Colin, Cincinnati was outmatched this entire game. We talked about the whole non-power five and make it into the college football playoff. Uh, what, what was your take? Does this, is it nice story that they made it and just like, you know, not all conferences are created equal after this? Well, I think not all teams are created equal. Not all conferences are created equal, right? I think you got a Cincinnati who runs the table. They beat a really good Notre Dame team. Boom, you're in. Right. And they also had a great year the year before. So you need to follow it up. Right. You can't go undefeated one year and expect to make it. You need like two years. You need to have like 22 wins and then you're in in a row. Um, no credit to them. Credit to Coach Fickle and the staff and the, and the players and the organization. It's awesome for Cincinnati. It's awesome for the American Athletic Conference. Sadly, they are leaving that conference, a conference that I was proudly a part of and absolutely loved and had some great games against Navy and Houston and UCF and USF. Um, some awesome battles over the years. So ECU. So when the conference at its best, it's a really good conference. When all those teams are can be really good. When they're all at their best together, which we kind of were throughout my time there, when UCF was in their heyday, there were some really good teams below them. Houston was at the top. We were at the top one year. UCF won it a bunch of years in a row. I think about, and I saw a former buddy of mine tweet this at Florida about uh, just about some of the UCF teams that would have given maybe a little bit better shot at Alabama. Maybe those UCF teams were really good. I think they were obviously with Milton and a lot of different players when they were healthy and rolling, they were really good. That offense was really explosive, but I just think, like you said, Alabama just chose to win this way. I still think Alabama could have went to the air and done a lot of things too. Uh, Again, I didn't watch the full game, but in what I saw, you just saw those players from Cincinnati playing their asses off, coaching their asses off, right? But at the end of the day, you're playing the greatest college football coach, the greatest coach ever, Nick Saban. And then you're playing an Alabama team that has five stars across the board, four stars across the board. And Cincinnati may have a handful. Um, So, you know, it's not X's and O's, they say in football. It's Jim's and Joe's. And the players get it done. Uh, And if you have the horses that Alabama does and the depth behind them, like I talked about before, and I talk about all the time with these American Athletic Conference teams, schools like a Coastal or an App State, they have great starters. There'll be one or two holes in the lineup that you could say, well, you know, maybe they're not a starter. But it's still a good player. The issue is who's behind them. So as the atrophy of a college football season goes on, you're going to lose starters is what happens. At Alabama, it's plug and play. At Cincinnati, it, it's you got to hope you have depth in that position. Um, and that's what, you know, again, I'm not speaking for Cincinnati. I don't know that team that well. I just know the conference, and that's how usually it is in smaller football smaller, uh, you know, conference ball. So that's my take. Uh, credit Cincinnati. They are, uh, they did a great job. They deserve to be in. They hung tough with the greatest college football team, you know, in college football history at some point, at least the dynasty that we're a part of and we're seeing right now in Nick Saban. 15 years ago today, he took the job in Alabama. He's cost a lot of people their job. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a great story that they got there. 
Uh, people were saying online that that game, even though the score was, was it 27 to yeah, 27 to six, like it felt closer than a lot of college football playoff bowl game blowouts were like the Notre Dame, Alabama one comes to mind. And a lot of the other Alabama first round games, like this game kind of felt like since he was in it the entire time, which you can't say that about every one of them, but yeah, it, it's just, you know, it was a Belichickian like dismantling of Cincinnati. It's like, Oh, you're really good at defending the pass run. 50 yep. times. <laughs> yep. yeah. um, Nick Saban knows what he's doing. I think, I think that's pretty the clear. Yeah. Uh, the orange bowl was the nightcap uh, on Friday, Georgia throttled Michigan 34 to 11. Uh, it Georgia scored on each of its first five possessions and they never punted. And then they were up 27 to three at the half. It was uh, as somebody who bet on Michigan to cover the spread. Uh, it, it hurt my heart a little bit, but and, your uh, and it hurt my wallet a little bit too. I really wanted Michigan to win. I love Jim Harbaugh. I'm a Harbaugh fan, a whole Harbaugh family fan. Uh, does this, does this silence the, the critics of Jim Harbaugh though? I don't think anybody expected Michigan to be where the number three team in the country. Like, uh, you know, people love to crap all over Jim Harbaugh, but you know, as Harbaugh fans, as I think we both are like, you know, does this buy him a little time away from getting criticized? I've been a Harbaugh supporter the whole time. I had some buddies that Mike Schofield's a Michigan guy. His wife's Ken Coyne Schofield, the star USA women's hockey player. But Mike and I were here in Carolina together last year and, you know, big blue, you know, Mike would always defend it. And, you know, we would go debating about different coaches. And my argument to keep Harbaugh was, who else are you going to hire? Who else are you going to hire for that job? That he's the perfect guy for that job. First off, he's had success coaching. He's had a success playing in college, playing in the NFL. He's had success coaching in college, coaching in the NFL. Not just normal success. We're talking getting the Super Bowls. That is hard to do. Winning is a whole other level, but getting there is hard enough. So, and he's a Michigan grad. He is true blue. I get it. You're a fan base like Florida who wants to win right away. Dan Mullen, three out of the last four years, he goes to a power six. He goes to a power six uh, or a, he goes to New, New Year's six. Eve, New Year's six bowl game. Thank you, Justin. That's why you're the man, J.A. That's Justin. And he gets fired. He gets fired this year. So, uh, yeah, I get why you want to get him out and all these different things. But, yes, I think it buys him time, should buy him time. It also buys him some serious feather in his cap in the recruiting trail. You can now go to Ohio State territory and compete a little bit more. I'm not saying you're going to win against Ryan Day. He was a great recruiter. He recruited me to Boston College. He was exceptional. I loved Ryan. He was my, they were my first offer. He was a great guy. He's a great coach, obviously, and I'm a big fan and support him. Uh, and I, I support Harbaugh because I love when people are haters and then it ends up, boom, blowing up in their face. That's the best, right? You, you got to love it. So good for Harbaugh. They got to the final four. Good for Coach Fickle. It's awesome for them, their families, the program. So it's awesome. The ripple effect of the success in college football is, uh, is fun for me to watch. It's what I enjoy. Uh, quick correction, Michigan was the number two team in the country, not number three. Also, I didn't know Ryan Day recruited you to Boston College. Like that hasn't yes. come up in any of our things. We don't have to do, we don't have to talk about that later. Yeah, I've been lucky. Him, uh, Dan Quinn, defense coordinator, former head coach of Atlanta, DC at uh, uh, Cowboys. Uh, yeah, we could, we got to have an episode on that, but yeah, I was, we got to um, do re recruiting uh, stories. Yeah. yeah. Uh, national championship, real quick. The so Georgia, Alabama. Uh, the Bulldogs will try to end a seven-game losing streak to Alabama. Uh, this will be played out next Monday night. 
how do you see this playing out? I, I see another Crimson Tide W. Oh, I mean, obviously, right? Georgia beats him. Wait, did Georgia beat him in the regular season? No, no they, they haven't played beat him right in a while. They haven't beat him in a while. SEC I'm championship. Sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. SEC championship. Uh, Bama beat him, right? Georgia looked like the, the shoe in number one seed right there. And now I'm back on track. Uh, top defense, all this great stuff. All of a sudden, here comes Alabama and the boys. Not the best team they've had in years. Still a great team, but not the most dominant regular season team like we've seen before. What do I think is going to happen? Oh, man, it's going to be a close game. It's going to be a close game. It has to be, right? It's hard to beat people twice. It's hard to beat, you know, this is a former assistant in Kirby Smart that knows Nick Saban really well. Will Muschamp's on that staff as a, as a defensive kind of, you know, I don't even know if he's chief of staff or whatever Coach Muschamp is, but a great addition. Uh, again, he was my coach at Florida, and he coached head coach of South Carolina and a great defensive mind. He coached with Nick Saban with the Miami Dolphins. He's They all know Nick. But, again, it's Jimmy's and Joe's, not X's and O's. The coaches call plays for players. They're not calling things for ego or whatever it may be. So, like you said, they're all going to try to exploit each other's weaknesses. They all come from the same tree of, of coaching, which we all end up really trying to do anyway. Some are just ex better executing it than others. So, uh, it's a great question, Justin. I, I'm going to go Alabama. I think you have to. I don't think you can really – vote against them, pick against them. I, I don't think you can. You don't get rich betted against Alabama is what I've heard. Also, Will Muschamp is the co-defensive coordinator at Georgia. There you go. I know he was like something with the DBs. Maybe last year he had a smaller role. You know, last year he was in South Carolina. He got let go. Um, there's so many moving pieces, college football. It's the best. It's the, I think it's more fun to follow than most other sports. I'm not going to go out and say it's like the best sport ever, but it's so much fun. It, it, there's so much to it. There's so much to it. Now with the transfer portal and NIL and coaches moving, there's a lot. Quick shout out, Chris Wiesahan, uh, Coach Drayton, congrats on the job at Temple. First off, we haven't done that formally here. Uh, really excited for Coach Drayton, Temple football. The future is bright. I hear awesome things about Coach. Uh, Coach Ed Foley coached with him uh, before throughout the college ranks, and uh, Coach Foley and I are very close, and nothing but good things to say about Coach Sean Drayton. So uh, congrats to you, coach. Congrats to Temple University. You found your guy. I'm excited to see what the future holds for Temple. Side note, Chris Wiesahan uh, left Georgia Tech to join, head back to Philly and coach which, which, which coach uh, Sean Drayton uh, and his staff at Temple. Coach Wiesahan was the O-line coach and running backs coach when I was at Temple. A great, brilliant football mind. He's coaching the NFL. He's going back to Temple. Uh, coach a lot of great players, a lot of great offensive linemen, including Pro Bowl or Deion Dawkins. Shout out to Deion for the Pro Bowl uh, in Buffalo. So, yeah, really happy for what's going on at Temple. That's awesome. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I completely forgot they just hired a new head coach. Yeah, was was he one of the the Coach Rule disciples or what was his background? Yeah, part of the Coach Rule uh, tree. It was brought in uh, with Coach Rule there, and I transferred in. He was already there. I don't know what where Coach Weeze was before that, but I know he bounced around. I know he was the O-line coach for the Bucks at one point in time uh, back in the day. And then he went to Georgia Tech with Jeff Collins. He stayed on the Temple staff with Jeff Collins, Jeff retained him, and then he went to Georgia Tech. He coached tight ends. I know he coaches O-line as well, and now he's going back to Temple. So awesome news. Love that. All right, well, that's all I have, sir. An awesome episode. We appreciate it, man. Justin Ayers, the man himself, this Justin, little Tompy time. Again, we appreciate everybody tuning in. It's been, it's been a blast. There's lots to look forward to in 2022. 
Um, some new fun interviews are coming that I think a lot of people are going to enjoy. And, uh, you know, a little more interaction, a little more videos, a little more YouTube, a little bit more of everything. And we appreciate, again, your support. Check out the website, notforlowmedia.com. That's Justin Ayers. I'm Colin Thompson. Thanks for tuning in, guys. One more thing before we go. My apologies. It's Coach Stan. Stan Drayton. Coach Stan Drayton at Temple University. Coach Drayton, congrats to you, your staff, your family. Uh, an awesome opportunity. Come to the big city of Philadelphia and coach big-time college football at Temple University. Playing at Lincoln Financial Field doesn't get much better than that. We are so excited as former players to be back involved in the program and get to know you, your staff, your family, uh, everything that you stand for. We see what you're doing on social media already. I'm hearing awesome things on the recruiting trail as well. So really excited for to, uh, for you guys to meet the staff, to get back into that building, get training there in the offseason, get around the players, get to know everybody again, and, and rep that cherry and white. So congrats to Coach Drayton uh, and the Temple House. Appreciate you guys' support. Another way to say that I can't waste another day in my